Discover community, find hope, and experience God. This is Discovering Hope with Pastor Paul Knight. Hey, I have had a wonderful week. Uh, my, my Wednesday in particular was, uh, was amazing. We had some meetings during the morning, and then uh, I, I taught confirmation. I, I've been teaching confirmation 7th and 8th graders since I was about 19 years old, which is crazy ridiculous. But uh, let, let me, I'm going to tell you a story about that. But before I do that, would you say this word after me? Go. Okay, so uh, go again. Okay, now I'm going to add a word to it. and th- uh, Go weeness. Goiness, it's, it's a hyphenated word, goiness. Okay, I'll talk about that in a second. I made that word up. Right? The goiness that we have in our lives, right? Let me tell you a story. This is about, about a gal in our, our uh, confirmation class who I think exhibits goiness. Right? She, I, by the way, I don't have permission to tell this story. Uh, her name is Summer, and uh, she has had been coming to confirmation for, for a couple years now. And she has a friend that she started bringing for the last couple months to confirmation. To, and then on to youth group, her name is Kayla. I don't have permission to use her name. And, and Summer and Kayla have been coming. And Kayla uh, doesn't have a strong relationship or any very little knowledge of, of Jesus. But Summer, because she's a friend, wants to make sure her friend Kayla discovers Jesus. And so Summer has bring, been bringing Kayla, and this Wednesday night, they, they walked up somewhere during the, the session of confirmation. Summer must have turned to Kayla and said, would you like to have Jesus as your Savior? And, and I'm like, yes, yes. And, and Summer brings Kayla up, and they have a couple questions for me. And so I asked Summer uh, how she came to faith in Jesus Christ, and Summer told the story of how she surrendered her life to Christ, and then turned to Kayla, and then Summer prayed with Kayla to receive Jesus. And it was like... Yes. It was beautiful. It was beautiful. You, you, matter of fact, uh, I don't know if you feel this in your bones, but you might want to just thank God for that. Just, just because, because it's about doing what God is, because that's what friends do. That's what friends do. Friends don't let their friends spend eternity apart from God. Right? If they can help it. And, but here's what's even better. Jana, I, I don't have permission to use her name. Jana was sitting right there in the front of the room, and Jana said, I want to do that. And so Gianna as well gave her life to Jesus Christ on Wednesday night. It was like, yes! Right? And here's what's even better. During youth group on Wednesday night, uh, Summer was sitting over here with Kayla, and Kayla walked over during one of the songs, and she walked over to the, to the basket where we have white roses, uh, and she transferred a white rose from the basket into the vase, signifying that she was born again in relationship with Jesus Christ. Right? Can you say the word with me? Goiness. Let me define it for us. Goingness is the the is is moving obediently. Goingness is moving obediently into every space with the sticky, spreadable, life changing message of Jesus Christ. Let me let me try that again. By the way, how many of you have had, had a peanut butter and honey sandwich? Anybody have peanut butter and honey? Right? I do sell honey if anybody's in. No, I'm just kidding. So peanut butter and honey, honey here, here's what happens. When you bite into it, even if you're careful, when you bite in, it oozes out of the sandwich onto your fingers. Right? And then when you try to, like, I don't like sticky fingers, but it, it gets sticky. It gets all over. And then when you go put your hand over your wife and she has a blouse on, the honey can spread from your fingers to her blouse. Or if you're not careful, when you brush your hand away because she pushes it away because she doesn't want to get, it gets in her hair. And if you have grandchildren and you still have sticky fingers, it spreads all over their cheeks. Which, ooh, 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 so good. 
sticky and spreadable like honey. It's sweet to the taste. It's beautiful for life. Goiness, goiness is moving obediently because that's what every follower of Jesus Christ does. That's what from the very beginning of the Gospel of Mark to the very end, we are called to be goers. To go and move obediently with the sticky, spreadable, life-changing message of Jesus Christ. Goiness. And, and, and that's my prayer for us, is that all of us would, would, would have a goiness when we enter our homes. That we'd have the sticky, spreadable, life-changing message of Jesus uh, right in our, in our homes, in, in our neighborhoods, in our workplaces, in our hangout places. That everywhere we go, we would move obediently. That we move obediently into every place. Home, neighborhood, workplace, hobby, or hangout place. With this sticky, spreadable, life-changing message of Jesus Christ. So I'm going to read this passage. We're going to go to Gospel of Mark. 54 weeks, you guys. Let me do that like I I want. 54 weeks, y'all. That was like Pastor Eric. Y'all. right? 54 weeks in the Gospel of Mark. And here's the overwhelming message of the Gospel of Mark. From the very beginning to the very end, Mark is trying to persuade everybody who reads his story that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. That he was crucified, dead, and buried, and rose again from the grave. And that those who follow him must go, go, go into all the world and preach the good news. By the way, just out of curiosity, what's the word gospel mean? And, and wh- who's the good news about? Jesus. <laughs> we're going to do that one more time, just for fun. We're going to re- readdress this. By the way, what's the word gospel mean? And who's the good news about? Jesus! Right? Okay, some of you aren't clapping. It must be something wrong with your spirit. Right? We're going to try it one more time, and I'll do it again later, so we're all ready. Right? What's the word gospel mean? And who's the good news about? Jesus! Right? It's life changed. So here's, here's the passage. Mark chapter 16. This has been used, the same passage, I think, four weeks in a row. And by the way, this is our last Sunday in the Gospel of Mark. Yes, I feel the same way. We could start over. Next Sunday is Mother's Day. Then the Sunday after that is Confirmation Sunday where you see these kids who have been learning about Jesus. And then uh, we'll do one Sunday of Memorial Day. And then we're going to start a series called Life Hacks. Life Hacks on how to have the wisdom of God in your life through the book of Proverbs all summer. Okay. Mark chapter 16, starting with verse 8. Trembling and bewildered. So when, when we talk about sharing our faith, does anybody else start to get anxious and fearful in your heart? Or like bewildered, like, I don't know what I would say. Trembling and bewildered, the women went out and fled from the tomb. They said nothing to anyone because they were afraid. And then it says this earliest manuscripts and some other ancient witnesses, if you have that in your Bible, there's this little bracket. And, and we put that in there because in the earliest manuscripts, in the earliest documents of the Old Testament, they don't find this passage in there. They find it in some of the later. So out of integrity, they're saying, we're not sure about this part. But everything in here is found in other parts of the Bible, so it's not dangerous. But it's just, we're not sure. And I love that about the Bible. I love that about the people who translate because they have integrity and you can trust the scriptures. If they're unsure, they'll tell you. 
When Jesus rose early on the first day of the week, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, out of whom he had driven seven demons. She went and told those who had been with him, who were mourning and weeping. When they heard that Jesus was alive and that she had seen him, they did not believe it. Afterward, Jesus appeared in a different form to two of them while they were walking in the country. They returned and reported it to the rest, and they did not believe them either. Later, Jesus appeared to the eleven as they were eating. Eleven because there weren't twelve anymore because Judas had taken his own life. Later, Jesus appeared to the eleven as they were eating. He rebuked them for their lack of faith and their stubborn refusal to believe those who had seen him after he had risen. He said to them, go into the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. That's huge, you guys. That's like that, that phrase, whoever believes will be saved and whoever does not believe will be condemned. That should like, be like a little seismic earthquake in your soul for those that you know who don't know Jesus yet. That should like... <gasps> And these will be, signs will accompany those who believe. In my name they will drive out demons, they will speak in new tongues, they will pick up snakes with their hands, and when they drink deadly poison it will not hurt them at all. They will place their hands on sick people and they will be, get well. After the Lord had, I'm going to stop and say something about that. That sounds weird, doesn't it? Picking up snakes, snakes and stuff like that. How many of you love snakes? Okay, thank you. Right, but, but but normally this isn't like not like an invitation to go play with snakes. That's not what this is about. This is like in Acts chapter twenty-eight, when the apostle Paul was shipwrecked and his he landed on the shores of Malta and they were building a fire. It says that he grabbed a bunch of brush and he put it in the fire and the the viper had come out and bit him, and he didn't die. It was a miraculous thing, demonstrating that God will take care of you if you trust him. That doesn't mean you won't die, because Paul later died. It means you'll die when it's time. Right? And that when you're doing things like this, that, uh, that you don't have to live in fear of what might be dangerous if you're doing what God wants you to do. That's a big gulp there. Verse 19, after the Lord had spoken to them, he was taken up into heaven. He sat at the right hand of God. Then the disciples went out and preached everywhere. And the Lord worked with them and confirmed his word by the signs that accompanied it. Goiness. Goiness. So we want to, so, so you hear that going to all creation. Right at the very beginning of the Gospel of Mark, Pastor Patrick mentioned this last week. It says, Come follow me and I will make you fishers of men. All through the scriptures, all who follow Jesus are the kind of people that want to make sure the other people around them hear. And so we are called goers. We need to increase our goability. We need to have goiness in our soul. Goiness being that ability or willingness or attentiveness to move obediently into a place with a sticky, spreadable, life-changing message of Jesus Christ. Are you, do you have a goingness in your soul, in your spirit, that when you go into a place, you know you're going obediently there? When you go into a place, you know that you're going there with this desire, this awareness that God has you there on purpose for a purpose. That you don't, that you're everywhere on purpose for a purpose. That you have this goingness, this sense of, I'm here with the sticky, spreadable, life-changing message of Jesus Christ wherever you are. So let's look at it. How to increase our goingness in our soul and spirit. The first one, the first one, and you see this in the story right away. It's admit your emotions. Admit your emotions. Be willing to say, Father, 
When you asked me to talk on your behalf, I sweat in places I didn't know I had pores. I, I get nervous. I get scared. I get fearful, just like the ladies. That, that, that we have these fears. Like, what if they laugh at me? In this context, what if they kill me? Right, the disciples, the followers of Jesus, the 11 that are left, they're hiding in the upper room because they're afraid, just like us. We have this fear, and we start thinking about sharing our faith, we start thinking about saying out loud the name of Jesus. And we, oh, and we get nervous about that. So here, here's the thing, just admit it's true. Just admit it's true, and, and then bring that to Jesus. It's the same reaction that the early followers of Jesus had. Right? They, they were all fearful. Right from the very beginning, it says they were trembling with fear because they were carrying a message that was amazing, that was stunning, that all of the forces of the evil one wanted to work together. How many of you live with a little bit of fear about sh- sharing your faith with Jesus, about Jesus? How many of you live with a little fear? I don't see, I can't see your hands. Can you make some noise? Right? Just, your hands are still silent. Right? Could you, how many of you live with a little bit of fear about sharing your faith with Jesus? Okay, just a few of you. The rest of you, the city is going to be fine because you're, because you're, you're, right? But I do. People don't believe this about me. Like, I literally, when, sometimes when I feel like I'm in that moment, where all of a sudden you realize, oh, this, like the person's asking me. Right? I get nervous and I do this all the time. For, this is my living. Right? And that's what the followers of Jesus, it's the first one, fear. And here's what it does. It drives us to be silent. Our fears sometimes drive us to silence. And and silence is either letting fear win or letting selfishness win. Because when we shut down, it's almost always because we're focused on ourselves. Hardly ever do we shut down in silence because we care and love for the person that we're talking to. And we have to look at that and say, okay, okay, okay. This is true about me. I am fearful, but I can't let the fear win. So here's the other thing we experience. Bewilderment. Bewilderment. Like the ladies, when they first heard, and they go, like, what do we tell them? Like, I don't know if I have the right words to say. I'm, I'm, I'm confused. I don't know. Is it any business of mine to share with them about Jesus Christ? Who am I to tell them that they need? We have all of this confusion and bewilderment. What do I say about it? Like the, the ladies who saw him after he had risen from the grave, he said, go tell the disciples. I'm sure on the way, they're like, what exactly do we say? That he rose from the grave? Who does that? That's never happened before. They won't, won't believe me. They're going to laugh at us. We're just women. And all many of us do the same thing when it comes to sharing our faith. We think, who am I? I don't have the right words to say. My life doesn't measure up to what I'm saying. All of these reasons why we go silent. Just like the disciples. We have those emotions and, and maybe many others in regard to our goingness with our faith. We, we have fear and bewilderment, but also, I'm sure this is true of all of us who know Jesus. We also have this massive desire like there's nothing more for some of us that we want is our kids to bend their knee to Jesus than our mom and dads to bend their knees to Jesus than our aunts and uncles to bend their knees to our neighbors and our colleagues and our friends to bend we have this massive desire and even dare I say urgency for them to know Jesus because did you hear what it says it says those who believe are saved and those who do not believe are condemned <gasps> 
Like we have this sticky, spreadable, life-changing message of Jesus Christ and the alternative is to spend eternity apart from God if people don't stick to it, if it doesn't spread on their lives, if it doesn't change them. So we, we, we want to in our hearts, God, give me a deeper, stronger goingness in my soul so that I move obediently into every place with the sticky, spreadable, life-changing message of your son, Jesus. God, don't let me go silent. Don't let the fear win. Don't let me hide the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ under a bushel. Because it's... It's forever. In the Gospel of John, it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world. For whoever believes is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already. You know what he's saying? He's saying until a person surrenders their life to Jesus Christ, they stand condemned. It's it's like you have this illness and you need the cure. The cure is Jesus. And we, those of us who know him, have this stickiness. We can come in contact with someone and move into that space obediently and sticky them with the love of Jesus and spread the love and uh, gradually watch their lives be transformed like Summer with her friend Kayla. But we have to admit, some of us, that, that we have this fear. And when we are considering sharing our faith and our normal emotions arise, by the way, I want you to hear that. It's normal to be nervous. I don't understand it necessarily even in my own life. But when we're considering sharing our faith and the normal emotions arise, we have to choose love and obedience over fear. We have to. Because the consequences are eternal. When we start to like want to drift back in a conversation with a friend and not say it, we want to drive into silence and our emotions start to rise up against, and the desire is there, we have to say, God, don't, God, I'm, I'm afraid right now. I'm afraid right now. Or I'm not even confused about what to say. Help me, help me, because I want love and obedience to win over my fear. Can you say the word goiness again? Goiness. Goiness is this, this desire, this willingness, this awareness that I'm going obediently, into, I'm moving into, obediently into every place with a sticky, spreadable, life-changing message of Jesus Christ. Here's the second way to increase your goiness. The first is admit your emotions. Just be honest before God. But don't let your emotions win. Here's the second. Express Jesus. Express Jesus. I don't know what to say. Just give them Jesus. Right? Express Jesus. Bring wherever you go. See, we get up caught up into expressing other things. We do. We do this all the time. We get we get caught up into expressing behaviors. You know you're not supposed to do that. I remember I was at someone's house one time and they had a picture of uh, one, a person that I know who uh, 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 was smoking a cigarette. Right? And in this picture, the person, because they were embarrassed that this family member of theirs was smoking a cigarette, they took a magic marker and they col- colored the cigarette out of their hand. Right? So the person sitting there like this. Right? And it's like you, you lo- it, may, it makes you draw in towards the behavior and look at the behavior. What are, what are you hiding? 
Right? And that's what we do sometimes when we, when we share our faith with people. We focus on their behaviors rather than on Jesus. We pro- focus on their behaviors rather than the Savior. We start pointing out, you know, you're not supposed to do that, or you're not supposed to live like that, or you're, not, or you're supposed to be doing this, and we focus on behaviors rather than the Savior's. Savior. And, and, and we focus focusing on that, and, and they end up getting caught up in the behavior, and they start following behaviors rather than the Savior. They start saying, oh, if this is what it means, I'll, I'll stop that. I won't do that. I'll start doing this, and we start living the life of the behaviors of a Christian, or followers of Jesus Christ, rather than living the life with the Savior, Jesus Christ. We get caught up in in focusing on on beliefs. Well, if you're going to follow Jesus, you're supposed to believe this. Well, they don't know Jesus yet. I read, I remember when I was a a kid, I was in college, and I found this little brochure, dusty brochure. I blew it off in, in the basement of our church, and it was written by a guy named Dr. Paul Reese. Dr. Paul Reese, in the opening statement, he says, we've got to stop asking non-Christians to act like Christians when Christians have such a hard time acting like Christians. We have to stop asking non-Christians to act like Christians when Christians have such a hard time acting like Christians. See, we focus on beliefs and behaviors. Or we do this, we focus on politics. We focus on politics because that's the right thing. If they really follow Jesus, they would vote just like me. And we start focusing on that, and we focus on all of these things that are not the main thing. And the main thing is Jesus. And we need to keep the main thing, the main thing, and the main thing is Jesus Christ. And we need to express Him. Express Him with your life, by the way you live. Express, let Jesus flow. See, what happens when the disciples hung out with Jesus, the people around them said, this, these guys, they're, they're so, they must be hanging out with Jesus. When you hang out with Jesus, when you get intimate with Him, when you learn of Him and about Him from Him, when you learn of Him and about Him from Him, you start to know Him. And you don't have to make it up in your heart. He flows out of you. Because you express Him from your life by the way you live, by the way you care. By the way, here's one tip on how best to have Jesus expressed in your life. Just love people. Right? There's nothing wrong with church people being kind. I know we've forgotten that, right? But there's nothing wrong with followers of Jesus acting like Jesus in reference to how they love each other. That the other people may not say, that doesn't feel like love. I'm, I'm just saying, love people. Don't worry about how they, just love people. Be kind, because that is how Jesus is. Display that you're living a good newsed life. You want to have a goiness increasing in your soul? Express Jesus by the way you live. Even when you don't live the way you want to, express Jesus there. Let me tell you a story. I was with a youth group kid. This is years ago. And he had gotten in trouble at school. And uh, the youth group all knew about it. And so he came to youth group and he did this. He said, look at that was sin for me. But here's how I know I'm forgiven. And he talked about the love and forgiveness of Jesus through his sin. And I thought, how brilliant is that? To express Jesus through your life, even when it's a failure in a moment. To say, this is how I deal with my guilt. This is how I deal with my shame. This is how I deal with my sin. And you express who Jesus is, not through your perfection, but through his grace and mercy. Because you're not the focus of your life. Jesus is. 
right? So we have this goingness, this, this desire, this willingness, the awareness that I'm moving obediently into every place with the sticky, spreadable, life-changing message of Jesus Christ by the way I live and love. Here's the second part of how to express Jesus. Use words. Oh, that's the part I don't want to do. Right? Use words. Because here's, what's the word gospel mean? And who's the good news about? Right? The word gospel in the very core of what it means is to speak. Euangelizomai is, is, I love saying that. This makes me feel really smart. Euangelizomai. It's, it's the Greek word that we translate to evangelize. You know what it means? It means to speak a message. To speak a message. Here's what happens with some of us. We live such good lives and nobody knows why. They think you're just because you're from the upper Midwest. Right? Because everybody around us is so nice and so good and so kind. It's, it's North Dakota nice, Minnesota nice. Everybody up here is, is, right? But it's Jesus. And so people need to hear that the reason we live the way we live, it's the message of Jesus Christ. It's the sticky, spreadable love of Jesus that is life-changing, life-transforming. It's the message of God's goodness and His grace and His mercy. The goal is being, of being goers isn't that they come to church even. The goal of being a goer isn't that they behave correctly. The goal of a goer, goer isn't that they believe correctly. The goal of a goer, someone who goes with the message, is that become people become followers of Jesus Christ. So we have to tell them why we live the way we do. Why we speak the way we do. What it is about us that's different. It's Jesus. When you get home today, I just want to encourage you, just practice saying his name out loud. Right? Just practice because some of us are like, we've never actually said his name at work out loud. And, and you think like everybody's going to pass out around you. Someday just at work, just stand up and say, Jesus. <laughs> just see what people do. Like, just, just for fun. Like, what are you doing? I'm just practicing. <laughs> Here, here's the third way. To increase our goingness, the ability to move obediently into a place with the sticky, spreadable, life-changing message of Jesus Christ. Here's the third way. Trust your encounters to Jesus. Trust your encounter. That every place you go because Jesus is in you, if in fact you're a follower of Jesus, every place you go, you are there on purpose for a purpose. Every place you go, because we are good news givers. So we have the gospel, the message of Jesus. Every place we go, we're going, because every encounter you have is your encounter. Every person you meet is a divine encounter. For instance, even the police officer I met yesterday, leaving Minnesota, just just about ready to get onto the bridge, and his lights, and I pulled over. This is a divine encounter. God has me here on purpose for a purpose. A $200 purpose, which I called another officer. He said, if you shared your faith a little bit, you can deduct it from your taxes because it's a business expense. <laughs> I didn't say I was gonna, but I'm thinking about it. So, so here's, here's like a personal thing for me. If I'm with someone for more than five or ten minutes, I assume it's a divine encounter. I assume that God wants it, unless they're like a friend or hanging out. But, but I assume it, and, and so in the 20 minutes that he explained the rules of how I was violating things, uh, I got to know him a little bit. He's newly married. Got married in August, new in town, 
She didn't know who we were at all. I tried to shout, th- shout out some of the friends' names who are police officers. Just, I know the mayor. Nothing, nothing. He wasn't impressed by anything as he wrote the ticket for just under $200, he said. So, but but here's, here's the thing. He's looking for a church. And so I talked about Jesus with me, with him. It's a divine encounter. It cost me. See, see, the, the thing is, as Christ followers, I desire to trust him for every encounter in my life, the good, the bad, and the ugly. I desire to trust Jesus for every encounter in my life, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Not all the encounters are beautiful, but God can use them. Like, like Summer with his, her friend. Like the Apostle Paul in prison. If you read Philippians chapter 1, I think it's right around verse 24, 25, 26, right around there. It says that, that I was in chains for the cause of Christ. And that the whole palace guard has heard about the love of Jesus, he, he writes. From prison. He's in prison assuming that God is working in his life, that God is arranging appointments. Like, I remember, and I don't have permission to tell this story, but one of the ladies in our church, uh, I'll just make up a name, Roanne Larson, <laughs> right? who told me that her and her husband, when they were doing cancer treatments, assumed that they're there on purpose for a purpose. So they want to make sure the people around them know about this sticky, spreadable, life-changing message of Jesus. Bonnie and I were walking along South Washington last week and we encountered uh, four young women and a guy who were outside of Red Ray Lanes. I think they were probably celebrating a victory bowling or something. They looked like they were celebrating. And we ended up talking to them for a little bit. And they're all under 40, I think. And one of the ladies gradually mentioned that her husband had died a couple years ago. A young husband. And we ended up praying with them. And talk with them. In every encounter, if given an opportunity, it's an opportunity for you and I to bring this message that's sticky and spreadable and life-changing. Now, I don't know if they'll ever come to our church. That's not the point. Here's the point. It's Jesus. Our goal as followers of Jesus Christ with every encounter, every encounter, is that if God gives us an opportunity, it's to move the person one step closer to Jesus. Through every encounter. So that lives are changed. Whether you're at home or in your neighborhood or at work or in your hangout places. That you go there with this awareness, this goiness in your soul. It says, wherever I go, I'm going on purpose for a purpose. To move obediently into every place with a sticky, spreadable, life-changing message of Jesus. He loves you. And he'll forgive you. He died for you. So here's what I want to invite you to do. Either on a separate piece of paper or on your sermon notes, pick three people you want to pray for that don't know Jesus yet. Three people. And and pray this. Pray for their salvation. Pray that God opens the door of their heart to his, his son Jesus. And then pray for your encounters with them. 
that God would give you opportunity to share the good news, the gospel of Jesus. And number three, pray for the courage and the words when the opportunity comes. Pray that God gives you the courage to not let your fear win, but to let love and obedience win. Pray for the courage and the right words in the moment. Because we have this go-ability. We have a goiness. Because the one we love has conquered sin, death, and the devil. We're going to celebrate the Lord's Supper. It's a reminder to us of the cost of what he went through so that we could have life. Jesus was with his followers on the night he was betrayed. They were celebrating the Passover meal, the the celebration of the people of Israel being set free from slavery. Slaves to a people, slaves to a reputation, slaves to fear, slaves to whatever it is. And he took bread off the table and he raised it up to his father. And it says that he broke it. And he said that this is my body given for you. In the same way it says, and, and we'll celebrate together in a moment, in the same way it says he took a cup. And he raised it up to his father. And he asked his father to bless it. And he said, this cup is the new covenant of my blood shed for you for the forgiveness of sin. It was his blood on the cross that purchased us forgiveness. And the resurrection demonstrated what he had done there. So if you're online and you're thinking, oh, I'm not ready for communion. During this song, you can crank up the volume on whatever you're listening and run and get your elements, your juice or your wine and some bread. If you're in this room, listen and prepare your hearts. By the way, if, you, if, you've never, if you're not a follower of Jesus, don't do this as a ceremony. I just sit and relax and contemplate whether you want to surrender your life to Jesus.